This is The Think Tank with Dr. Michael Neal, talking about the major political, economic, and social issues of the week. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Okay, it's about that time of year. Every every year as we get uh, approaching spring break, there is a mass exodus from Phoenix, or so it seems, to the town of Rocky Point, Mexico, which sometimes known as Arizona Beach. Uh, uh, our guest here is Tom Baldrick. Tom, like myself, our he and I are both property owners down there, so we have a we have a not only a little bit of experience but a little bit of vested interest in this. We had hoped to get Omar Sains, who is the director of tourism for Puerto Penasco. He may show up later in the show. There's something going on, miscommunication or something. If we can get him, I'd very much want to do this. But I'm prepared with Tom and myself to uh, sort of wing this and and, and go it alone. Um, anyway, uh, we, I've been down there for, uh, about 17 years. How how about yourself? First of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank for, for having me. I first went there in 2005 when I moved from Philadelphia to Arizona Mm -hmm. and I went there because I was in a desert. I had moved to a desert and I craved the infamous Jersey shore. Mm -hmm. And I said, where's the closest beach? Where do I go? And uh, people told me San Diego. So I went to San Diego and I'm like, eh, this isn't it. Then I listened to Rocky Point. At the time I was married, my wife was a little skeptical. But down we went and I just fell in love with it. She did not, but I did. And so, and you're no longer married. I'm no longer. <laughs> that was just, you made it. You made it. Sounds like you made it. You put those two facts together. Sounds like you made it. Choice. Yes. It, one. It was one factor of seven thousand two hundred and forty-eight yeah. others. Well, but, it's interesting that you mentioned San Diego because that was our place of choice. I moved here uh, four decades ago, seventy-nine, and uh, uh, San Diego was where we went for the summer. You Love know, it for a week or two or three, whatever, and um, and and I did not. I had this thing in my head that this border is—you just don't think about it. It's scary down there. Uh, it, it just wasn't in the frame mm-hmm. of reference. And I think I crossed the border twice, uh, once to Tijuana. And then that was actually years before. And that's and, a different experience. And once in Nogales, Arizona, on foot. Okay. You know, just two or three blocks into kind of a tourist zone there just to see it and come back with some some Mexican artifacts. And so we had uh, gone to the beach, uh, you know, every, every year like all Arizonans do. You know, there are historic examples of Arizona politicians campaigning on the beaches of San Diego. Anyway, uh, I'm going through some change. I, I want something different. It's 04, I think a year or so before you. And I, let, let's see what this is. And with some trepidation, uh, I make a trek down there and I fall in love with the place right away. And, I get and, it. I, I, and I noted three things about it at the time compared to San Diego. One, half the distance. Two, half the cost. Three, the water is warm. The Pacific in in San Diego is freezing. 
On the 4th of July, it's 70-degree water, which is freezing, and 70-degree air, which is great if you're in a sweater walking around town, but not too good if you just got out of freezing water. So I'm sitting there in San Diego with a towel wrapped around myself, shivering at 70 degrees air on the beach, whereas Rocky Point is, uh, you know, it's Phoenix weather more or less. Uh, It is. I I mean, it feels a little bit different because you have... uh, the ocean breezes. So it may be 100, 110 or something like Phoenix, very close, maybe a little less, but it feels subjectively still less. Now, in August, it's still hot. No kidding about that. But uh, it's way more tolerable if you're sitting on a beach chair and you have the option to dip, you know, you dip into the water and, and you, and you, when, when you go into the water there and it's warm, you just walk right in. You don't, uh, you know, stick your toe in and say, okay, let me just do this a little bit at a time. And eventually I'll, there's no issue of getting used to it, at least not in the summer. Generally speaking, I would tell people that it's 10 degrees warmer in winter, 10 degrees cooler in summer on average. Probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the humidity is brutal in summer. Yeah. So you yeah. better be in the water uh, in the winter. Uh, basically every single resort has at least one heated pool. Yep. And uh, it is just a... I, so I, did, I personally never understood the appeal of a pool when you've got an ocean there. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's my personal More take. of a drinking opportunity yeah, around the pool. If, you, if that's what you want. And then, of course, the other thing that hit me is what on earth was I afraid of? You know... You go down there, and we're in, we're both in the sandy beach area. This is a resort. This is sort of like a Cancun light, you know. Uh, high-end beach resorts uh, all have gated uh, parking lots, uh, which probably aren't necessary. There's no, zero security issue there. Uh, you, you walk around alone on the beach at 1 a.m. and don't feel an ounce of trepidation. It's probably safer than in your own home neighborhood. And that was a revelation because, like, you know, I've noticed that there's two kinds. Of, there's the people who are afraid of Mexico, and then there's the people who've been there. And Correct. there's no intersection between the two. I, I can say this as a fact. Someone might take it as an opinion, but it has been my experience over and over and over again that those who say Rocky Point isn't safe... Haven't been there. Not once. (laughs) You know, there is a... uh, On my other uh, real existence as a sociologist, I studied a lot about crime and perception, and I'm a pollster by training, and there is a well-known fact in terms of perception of risk, and, and that is the following. People overestimate how dangerous neighborhoods are that they are unfamiliar with and they underestimate how dangerous neighborhoods are that they're very familiar with in other words your own block is a lot more unsafe than you think it is and a place that you have haven't been there maybe looks a little bit different and 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 interestingly in mexico um the poor areas are definitely spotable in the u.s poverty is associated with crime you know, there's areas of Maryvale or South Phoenix where objectively the statistics support there are higher crime. In Mexico, which is a poor country, you have a street and it may be a dirt road. OK, there may be very light on, you know, it, you look around and you've, you, you can feel the poverty. 
but that's not necessarily associated with crime. Whereas an American eye looks at that and you say, ah, poor area, high crime. In a poor country, that's not necessarily true. I absolutely yeah. agree. And, and in terms of uh, the amount of crime, to your point, in recent history, we had tragically nine police officers shot in Phoenix. You had an eight-year-old girl killed in Phoenix in everyday neighborhoods, right? Mm-hmm. But yet no one fears going to Phoenix as a result of that. Mm-hmm. This is just our area. We know it. Oh, crime's everywhere, blah, blah, blah. But yet, if something were to happen of that nature in Mexico, it would have a tremendous negative effect on the local economy. I, I remember once uh, some years ago, there was some violent incident in Mexico, and the State Department issued their – we laugh about this – but their annual right. warning that right. comes out just before spring break. Right. Then I looked at where this incident had occurred. It was a thousand miles away. I mean, would you avoid downtown Phoenix because there was a shooting in Houston? That that's how absurd it was. But even our own State Department reflexively wasn't able to make a distinction of all right now where was that? Was it an isolated incident? Um, you know, and the the other thing, frankly, and there there are folks who aren't going to like to hear this because they've got other ideological dispositions. But the fact is. Ordinary folks in this country have guns, and where you have guns, sometimes people get bent out of shape or whatever. You have road rage incidents or home incidents and the like, and in Mexico, save the cartels, a separate thing, but ordinary people don't, so you don't get the kind of random citizen uh, violence that you will in this country. I'm being waved at right now to break. We'll be back with Tom Baldrick talking all things Mexico and Rocky Point in just a moment. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Okay, we're back here with Tom Baldrick, who, along with myself, is a a property owner in Rocky Point, regular visitor. And uh, we've both been doing it for about the same length, about 17 years or thereabouts. What have you seen in in the way of changes in that town over that period of time? Well, all you have to do is look at the beach and see the new resorts going up time and again. And if you want to look at the direction of the economy, smart money knows what's going to happen. And those who have millions and millions of dollars are building new properties, and they are getting bought, they are getting rented, and people are consistently coming to Puerto Penasco because they love it. It's interesting. There was a slowdown, however, that was noticeable. Mm -hmm. And that was when the property in the United States crashed in 08. Correct. It did so in Rocky Point uh, way bigger. I I think the in part because the inflation in the two to three years prior to 08 in Mexico was much. In other words, they were the bigger they (laughs) rise, the faster they fall. In 05 to 08, the property was going up like 10 percent a month. It was crazy. Right. And and therefore, uh, when the crash came, uh, the difference is you had there wasn't much of a mortgage market. So people had, by and large, put down their own money. Uh, They're all making money hand over fist. They're looking at going up 10% a month, and you couldn't 
when I got there, you couldn't. You almost had to know somebody to get to be able to buy property, You're, even though you have cash. An unbelievable thought. But you've got cash, and you've got nobody willing to sell because <laughs> it's going up so fast that everybody says, uh, "The longer I wait, the richer I get." And then we have an economic crash in the U.S., which takes a you know a few days to filter over into Mexico. And everybody panics at exactly the same moment. So the beginning of 08, everybody's all of a sudden trying to sell and cash in. They're, nobody wants to buy because everybody's afraid. Right. So it, it's the interesting combination of fear and greed. <laughs> it is. And in 06, 07, greed was running the show. In 08, now it's fear and the property crashes. Uh, it went up higher there than it did here and it crashed lower there than it did here. And I think it and it also has taken long to, longer to recover, which it finally has. We're very much on the upswing again, but there was a period in which, uh, frankly, this is you know it's the old Warren Buffett thing: uh, buy when everybody else is panicking, trying to sell. <laughs> it, it is so true. Just like with the stock market, if you can tune out the noise yep. and say what's going to happen here, yep. um, there there are those of us who have been looking at the real estate market, saying, "Well, it can't keep going up forever." And I've been saying that for a while, and yep. it still keeps going up, and there are less and less uh, resort condos available because mm-hmm. they keep getting snapped up. So now new resorts are coming in, and you say, well, there's going to be hundreds and hundreds more condos. They'll still get bought, Mike. Well, here's, the, here's I think, the difference in the reason why the potential for expansion is so great. This has historically been the, the playground of Phoenix and Tucson. If you, however— expand the market and put Southern California, Colorado, New Mexico, and actually even West Texas in the mix. And if we are the uh, the, Rocky Point is the closest beach to El Paso, for example, you took the words right out of my put that in the mix. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, especially Southern California, there's a lot more people than there are in Southern California than there are in the state of Arizona. And, uh, you ain't seen nothing yet in terms of where that could go. We have been starting to get guests from Northern California, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of new. Southern California, mm-hmm. yes. For some reason, people from El Paso love it. And the, uh, it's a 10-hour drive. Do they mind? Not a bit. They will come for a weekend. And by weekend, I mean two nights. Yeah. <laughs> and to them, it's... <laughs> I, I, I talk to people all the time about that. I said, you know... I'm not just trying to sell you another night, but it is such a different experience. Add a third night. (laughs) Because here's the deal to me. If you go Friday to Sunday, you arrive on Friday, you leave on Sunday, the only true relaxing day you have is Saturday. So you're going Friday to Sunday, but you're really only getting one complete, you know, nirvana kind of let your, you know, just let your body relax because travel days don't count. You're either just getting there, you're pooped, or you're preparing to leave. If you extend to Monday, do Friday to Monday or Thursday to Sunday, uh, you have doubled. You've added one day, but you've doubled the amount of true non-travel beach days. And that to me is a hold. the, the, The longer I've been there, the lower tolerance I have for short trips. So I'd got, you know, I kind of like now I'm sort of like four or five days is really the least I want to do. I want to do those. I wish I could. But what I would say to somebody listening is give this place a chance. Create your own experience. 
tune out the noise. If somebody tells you it's not safe, ask them if Have they've they been, been there. there. Have you been there? Chances are they will say no. Yeah, and they say no. And well, I read about this stuff that's right. going on in Sonola or something, with, right. you know, a thousand yeah. miles away or something. Yeah. Yeah. There are different people in every community. In Chandler, where I live, in Puerto Penasco, in Phoenix, wherever, there are good people and there are bad people. What I, but what I will say about this is Mexicans in Puerto Penasco are so welcoming to Americans. Mm-hmm. They will go out of their way to try to help you despite the language barrier, where Americans get frustrated going to Mexico and they don't speak English. There are wonderful people in this community. I absolutely love not only the beaches, but I do love the people. You know, I've been trying to learn Spanish. I tell you, it's it's a struggle. Yeah, <laughs> and I and I realize the average person I down there knows a lot more English than I do Spanish. And I've been you know, doing a you know right. Duolingo, famous right. uh, computer right. program, for like sixteen months, and uh, the words just don't come usually. Margarita, <laughs> por favor, la cerveza, por favor, and donde yeah. es el baño? Where is the bathroom? Yeah, that's the well. You got the basics there. <laughs> well, we know how you spend your life anyway. Uh, the other thing I, I, that I found interesting, and we we have just uh, a minute to go here. I tell you a story. The uh, road when you take eighty five south mm-hmm. through Lukeville. Uh, and the road on the other side seems amazingly similar. Found out there's a reason for that. You know, in uh, World War II, um, Rocky Point, Penasco, was the backup port if the Japanese were to bomb uh, Long Beach. The military had plans to use Penasco as a backup port. Now, if the it already has a decent port there. But if you had something land there, you needed to get it here. And so the United States Army Corps of Engineers built the road from Rocky Point to Arizona. Well, how and about so, that? And, and you read it. It's, it feels like the same road. Well, there's, there's a reason for that. Now, of course, that's many, many years ago. It's been repaved and whatever. But, you know, there's, that's sections of, of Mexico that are they're pretty hard to reach. We'll be back with Tom Baltrus talking Mexico and all things Rocky Point when we return in just a moment in the Think Tank. The Think Tank. KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Back here with Tom Baldrick, who, as I've mentioned before, along with myself, are uh, owners and regular uh, uh, visitors to Puerto Penasco, Rocky Point. Uh, I think as a guide to folks who haven't been there, I think it would be interesting for listeners to hear about the variety of neighborhoods in town, uh, particularly the the beach communities. You want to walk us through those? Sure. Well, the the easiest thing is that if you get lost going to Rocky Point, there is something wrong with you. <laughs> you get on the highway and it drives you right up into town. So there is a. I think in in the border town, there's one turn you have to make. Right, and, and you're staying on uh, uh, Route Eight the whole right, way. Right, right. But once you get out of Sonoyto onto the highway, there's it one is road. A, there is nowhere else. Straight to, shot. <laughs> yeah. When you drive into town, it's uh, there's commercial. Uh, Boulevard uh, Benito Juarez, which will take you through a couple miles of all kinds of businesses. There's even an American Burger King there. Mm-hmm. Um, Pizza Hut, yeah. Pizza Hut. Those, why on earth you would go to Mexico and eat at a Burger King or a Pizza Hut, I don't know. beyond me. But there are folks who do it. And then you'll you'll uh, run straight into an area known as the Malacón. Mm-hmm. Uh, or That's the, the old area. Or the yeah. old port, yes. Yeah. And, and down there you'll find... Uh, uh, bars, uh, B 
beachfront bars right on the water. Uh, there's a fantastic new steakhouse called Moo that's right down on yeah. the Malacan and and uh, Margarita Mermaids. Places to go. It's old, kind of yeah. funky, yep. a little rundown, touristy. It's it's your it's your typical sort of beach walking community. Right. And then uh, to the right, the most uh, visited area is called uh, Sandy Beach. And, and Sandy Beach is where all of the new high rise condos right. are. It's basically four and a half miles of pristine. Beach to old timers. That is the area for people who went there in the eighties and nineties. They say I used to go there, and we camped on the beach. Camped on the beach, not any, not it, not on that beach, not anymore. Not anymore. Drove think, your, of, think of it as Miami Beach. Yep. Drove your pickup down there, made a made a day and a stay of yep. it. Uh, that that happens no more. And you can see why that was great because it's a fabulous beach. Oh, it is. You know, it's got perfect sand, perfect water. Uh, and uh, developers figured that out, and uh, 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 there was a, a family. I, I think uh, uh, was it Gustavo uh, Brown? De Gustavo Brown, right? With old uh, Mesa connections, Ma- mm-hmm. both Mesa and uh, Mexican connections, and uh, they became kind of the sellers and the master developers, near as I can tell, of the whole area. And they they sold it off, or have been selling it off, a parcel at a time. Right. They'll sell off a parcel, and somebody'll put up a eight to fifteen story high rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly. Um, those are small enough that um, the beaches right in front of them are like almost never crowded. They are not. The beaches are beautiful. They are absolutely among the cleanest in all of Mexico. Um, to the to the west of the Sandy Beach area is a charming uh, little area, except when it rains uh, because the streets are all mm-hmm. dirt, which become mm-hmm. mud. Uh, is Choya Bay. Mm-hmm. And they are the most spectacular views of the sun setting over the bay uh, to the west. It's- and Choy Bay is interesting. It is a funky, old, it was sort of the first enclave of the real kind of pioneer Americans who wanted to go down there. Uh, you will find, uh, and by funky, I mean you'll find some multi-million dollar houses, mm-hmm. and right next to it, somebody has plunked a shack or something like right. that. That shack may date from the 1950s, and it was, I think, the first place that Americans went down and either bought property, and there were some of the old stories that, that used to happen no longer do with people thinking they own something and then right. discovering that they no longer do. Uh, they've they've cleaned up the legal system in the last thirty years, but there are story. I know people who you know very bitter. They thought they owned this property, and, mm-hmm. and you know in the fifties and and in the late fifties, early sixties or something, somebody had a title claim. One of the differences on the legal side of titles is that in in the United States, if you want to know who owns a property, you go to a central repository. And you could look up who owns the title. And even though that's ironclad, you still buy title insurance just in case somebody screwed up. In Mexico, there is no central repository. When you buy something, they give you this giant book that is the history of the property and who owned it and this and that. And this is, you know, this is your claim to the property. What you never quite know is what if somebody else has a better book on the same property? <laughs> now, the, the, the developed properties, right. uh, like Sandy Beach, for example, master development. I talked to a, a major international law firm 
here in Phoenix that uh, did the title work on that whole beach. And, and I was told that is as clean as anything you're ever going to find in Mexico. But there are areas out in the outskirts where if somebody's buying, there's a little bit of a crapshoot involved because of that business of no central repository. Mm-hmm. There are still you hear you hear stories of uh, uh, property issues, squabbles. Mm-hmm. Um, there, uh, I've but, seen resorts. If you go, well, let's take it. You, you, we've gone that way now. If you go back from Choya Bay to mm-hmm. Sandy Beach, back to the Malacca, now you go off in the other direction. You go to the east, and there is El Mirador. Now, before we get there, uh, the uh, the older community, um, Las Conchas. Well, Las Conchas is is uh, further... Oh, okay, just, okay, you're right, you're right. Mirador, Mirador's correct. first. That Mirador's a little funky, older, kind of... Right. On the beach, right, right on the beach condos. Yep. You'll find motels there and yeah. smaller hotels and uh, Manny's, Manny's Beach yeah. Bar, a wonderful place yeah. to, uh, to hang out. And then uh, a little bit further east is probably the most exclusive area you'll find with million-dollar homes, and that is Las Conchas. First major development, I think that dates from, I would guess, I don't know, 70s, 80s, 90s, somewhere in there, now, before used, Sandy Beach. That used to be gated, mm-hmm. and then there was a uh, a uh, disagreement over that. Yeah. So the, uh, the gate and security uh, area is removed, and now you can literally drive right into just – Spend an hour or two looking at these beautiful homes and what it would be like to live in one of those. Mm-hmm. It's 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 much more quiet. Um, really nice people. A lot of them are snowbirds, and people. It's their third, fourth, fifth, sixth home. By rumor, uh, including a former Arizona governor, right? uh, owns property. There. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, and and I want to move this on just because th- that is probably the most infrastructure heavy neighborhood of the older things in there because when you go beyond that you get into more remote beaches where people are on their own right but and by on their own i mean solar panels electric generators uh they're not on the water system so people you know truck dump trucks come in with water cisterns to for water and whatever uh las conchas has electric city water uh, basically full right Full amenities. When you go out past that, you get some people who are very much on their own. What's astonishing to me as an American is the resourcefulness of Mm -hmm. Mexican people in general. Mm -hmm. They can do more with less than we can. Uh, Americans see a scratch on something, ah, throw throw that away. That's no good. Not to Mexican people. They are the things they can do hauling uh, heavy items in in a car or truck, uh, uh, just their their ability to fix things around the house. Um, they are very resourceful, well, very grateful people. When you get in, we've only talked about the beach communities. When you get into town where the where the Mexicans live, it's interesting. I've conversations gotten to know some of the when somebody there says they're building a house. It means something entirely different. That means they, first of all, they probably bought a plot of land at some point, and that's all they had. Then they bought some cinder blocks, and they lay the cinder blocks. And at some point, they put some kind of a roof on. At that point, they have a home, right? And then 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 infrastructure comes in piece by piece, electrical, uh, 
either either uh, uh, possibly sewer system, but more likely a, a cistern, you know, a septic tank, um, indoor plumbing. All these things come on sort of piece at a piece. But the difference is that when they build it, when they're, then they're paying for this piece by piece, when they're done, there's no more. And that's part of the reason a lot of this happened is the financial industry was not so developed. So they couldn't get a mortgage on it. They had to, right. they, they built their house as they could afford the pieces of it and probably did a lot of it themselves. Exactly. Uh, you could simplify it in a word and say it's a process. Mm-hmm. It is a process. It's not unusual to see cinder block for a while sitting on a place and then you can see when they've got more money. The other thing is uh, you'll find how helpful the people in this community are, how they will do things for each other, um, how they will help each other build a home, help each other fix a car, things that you may not find or I may not find in my neighborhood here in Arizona. You, you, you won't, but you know you used to. This sounds like, look at American frontier culture, barn raisings and things of that sort, where whole neighborhoods would get to, you know, whole communities would get together and so-and-so needs a mm-hmm. barn and, they'd, they'd, you know, they'd build a barn on a day. The stories during COVID-19 of people who had next to nothing helping out and giving food and water and medicine to those who had nothing are everywhere. These people cared about each other when the system kind of let them down. You know, I I think in part they knew when COVID hit, Penasco knew that they were on their own. They are very, very remote from Mexico City. I think they correctly realized that they couldn't count on any help from there. Arizona, while closer, was not disposed to look south to help. Uh, And so originally, I remember, they they instituted some of the most severe uh, restrictions just because they realized that if they got into a bad pandemic situation, they were on their own. So there was a period in which even you or I as an owner couldn't get into town. Uh, you could, I, I mean, I remember once when some guy was trying to get a taxi ride out and the taxi driver was going to take him to the border and they told the taxi driver, you can leave, but you can't get back in. And he and he was a resident, a full-time mm-hmm. resident. And and it, I think it emanated from a actually a very accurate perception. Hey, folks, we're on our own. Uh, and during that period, they implemented very severe uh, you know, mass kind of requirements, which are for the most part gone. Uh, I think you you see people in masks in a grocery store or in a public place. Uh, there's and without anybody squawking about it. But uh, for the most part, like in much of the rest of this part of the world, that has that has run its course. There's a common saying here in in America that diversity builds character. In Puerto Penasco and other places of Mexico, they show that adversity reveals character. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they are they are strong people. They are they are proud people. They are courageous people, and they will do whatever it takes to take care of their family or to help the people that they are working for. Um, whatever it takes, and and very characteristic. Also, we talk about family orientation. Very, very characteristic of the Mexicans who have come here as well. Uh, that's very much a part of the culture. Yeah. In fact, even uh, I heard somebody describe this once that, you know, the most folks, uh, the Anglo background view a house as an investment, whereas in Mexican communities more, it's, it's, it's about a family asset, you know, 
Yeah. It's 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 what it does for you. It's not it's not a financial. We'll be. I know you're about to say something. We're running over. We'll be back in the concluding section, uh, talking about Panasco and Mexico when we return in the think tank in just a moment. The think tank KTAR News on ninety two three FM and KTAR.com. We're back with uh, Tom Baldrick. We're doing this solo. Uh, we were going to have Omar Sains here. Uh, don't quite know what happened. He's the director of tourism for Puerto Penasco, but... Uh, Some sort of yeah. emergency. He was at the Mexican consulate. Well, we don't need to know about that, <laughs> whatever it was. Onward. Uh, it sounds like he's meeting with somebody higher up than him, so <laughs> ranked higher on the food chain than we did. Uh, you know, uh, we've been talking about kind of history, Penasco, uh, and and what, what things have developed. Uh, uh, looking to the future, uh, what do you see on the horizon? I see the sky is the limit, and that's not sipping the Kool-Aid. That's just looking at what's going on around. A uh, couple of interesting developments. One, right on the uh, east side of Sandy Beach, on the place just to the right of the center of town, the Malacon, uh the Old Port, there is a new Sonoran Star Resort being built, and that is said to be three towers. Now, the Sonoran uh, Resorts already have four other properties, so yeah. you know this one's going to be built. However, we're, bo- we're both owners of those. They've, right. they've, they have mastered one thing better than any. Anybody putting those when they say they're on the beach, there is most of those other properties are a few hundred yards back. Most of the properties, these are right on the beach. Right. All the Sonorans have been the masters of that. And uh, each one, uh, each one seems to have its own personality. Each one, many would say, gets better as time Mm -hmm. goes by. So I'm really uh, curious to see uh, how nice this one will be. I have no doubt it will be. However, about 40, 45 miles, uh, hour, 45 minutes drive east, there is the Encantami Towers. And that is being marketed as part of Puerto Penasco. And those condos right on the beach, beautiful property, are selling like hotcakes. And that is expanding. So to me— And that's that's just to put that in perspective. That's a more remote area. It's the, a more— you're, the, 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 the Sonoran that they're building now is kind of one of the last few pieces of empty lots on, right. that, on that stretch of beach. Yes. Which is close in, but amazingly the way they've done it is not crowded yet. The only place that's crowded is there's a little part at the end of that beach that's sort of the town beach— now, in Mexico, anybody is free to use. The beaches are public, but nobody is walking down to the resorts who comes in the other way just because it's a hike, though they're, they're legally entitled to. The beaches are, are public access. They are federally but, owned. But if you've got a beach where you park your car, you're going to plonk down there. You're not going to walk, right. you know. Half that that area is called uh, Playa Hermosa, mm-hmm. and that will be just to the right just to the west of where the Sonoran Star Resort will mm-hmm. be. So that's literally right on the edge uh, at the start of that beach, right next to uh, uh, a small condo development in Las Gaviotas and mm-hmm. a bigger landmark hotel, uh, Del Sol, uh, mm-hmm. Penasco Del Sol. It's, it's right there. But the fascinating thing when you ask about the future is – is now that Encantame Towers is all the way out to the east, 40-some minutes away, it opens up everything in between now which for is development. A, which is a gorgeous beach, but remote right now. Correct. If you go out there, you are driving on the road, and then you're driving through 
you know, what used to be, a, I think they paved the road only to there. But there's all those remote beaches that I talked about before that where people are, have been kind of on their own. I assume, it, I, and Cantemi is obviously going to bring infrastructure with it. Correct. Which I'm sure was a heck of a deal because it wasn't there. That means electrical, and sewage, water systems, which right. they probably had to build themselves. But uh, again, there's a misconception that things don't get done in Rocky Point. They are except done. the port. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't get the me port, started on the that. The port they were going to build. They they've half built this port uh, supposedly to do cruise ships. They. Uh, I don't know. They didn't calculate it right, but they ran out of money or the water was deeper than somebody figured. And it it was going gangbusters for a while. It's half built and we haven't seen any action out there. There was time. money that came and money that went. Yeah. And uh, where it went uh, depends on who you ask. However, there was a cruise uh, a cruise line that came in a couple of years ago. They were scheduled to do six cruises. They only wound up doing three. There were miscalculations right and left. It was like, a, for example, they're doing... Doing this cruise in the Mexican Riviera there, and they're doing it in January when, frankly, it's cold. It's cold. It was uh, 10 days, which means most working people or families would not do it. Yep. So they had to cater to senior citizens. Then they found out they had to get them all there. So there was busing and the port, involved. And the port wasn't built, so it, they, it I mean, they, was, they, they. It was. Uh, and I think as a result of that, I wonder if people miscalculated. They. This particular enterprise was botched. I think some people falsely conclude, oh, that means that you can't do cruise ships out of there. No, it means if you do it, you have to do it right. It was also expensive. They made it too expensive. Now, you've got a political background, so this is right in your wheelhouse, sir. If you look at what's going on in Mexico, uh, the president, is he's got a very firm grip on the country. Uh, It's not good there for journalists. But he's he's taking a page out of the Trump playbook, and the journalists are in trouble down there uh, physically. Uh, some of them are being killed, and that's way over in different places. However, the the current Sonora governor is in the same political party as the president. This has not happened for a while. So now the current Sonoran governor, who was also uh, the right-hand man of Vicente Fox, the former president, the governor of Sonora is well-connected. So he is doing everything he can to get the cruise line back into Puerto Penasco uh, because it's great for him, it's great for Sonora, and it's great for his political career. Mm -hmm. So finally, with the right people pushing for it, this thing may come back from the Dead Sea yet again and wind up on the Sea of Cortez. Yeah, and I I think it's it's an enhancement to the community. It's not the be-all and the end-all. uh, for people who rent property, I think some of them got this notion that, oh, people will stop off for a couple of days on either end or one end or the other. Uh, it arguably brings some revenue to the town, but it would also be good for all of those other Mexican uh, cities that would be port stops, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's other infrastructure there when they built the the Mayan Palace is a privately developed thing, way, way, way out of town, massive scale, and they built their own airport. Uh, so they can take commercial airliners, but they don't have anything scheduled yet. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you. The sky's the limit, but the the path has been in the past rocky. Mm-hmm. So. Even the hope there with the airport, 
is uh, there's now flights that will be starting soon from Puerto Penasco to and from Tijuana. Mm-hmm. So one step at a time. In the Tijuana airport, uh, you uh, you may realize there's a you can actually. Uh, go to San Diego and walk across a bridge <laughs> and fly into. So Tijuana is an extension of the San Diego airport. If you're in the San Diego airport, you can uh, you can slip over. Anyway, been fun to reminisce with you, Tom. Um, um, don't be afraid. Uh, it's a, it's a it's a great place down there. And if you want to reach me, uh, my website is mikeoneal.org, and that is a gateway to email, Facebook. Twitter, all all other sorts of uh, communications. We'll see you next week in the Think Tank.